On this episode of Talent Cast, I tell you what you already know. Ugh, I think I just talked my way out of a job. I'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So glad you could join me. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping notes to let you know that the last two or three weeks I've been very, very busy. Um, today is September 7th, or I'm sorry, September 7th, September 30th, and the last two weeks I have gone to Glassdoor's GD Recruit, Glassdoor Recruit. Uh, I went to a dinner with The Muse. Uh, I only say this not because I'm bragging, but because, you know, I'm in the industry and I get to go to these same things you guys get to go to, and uh, I just wanted to kind of say, you know, let you know that I'm doing these things because they do impact a lot of the things I'm talking about. Um, and for full disclosure, I don't take any sponsorships, but Glassdoor definitely invited me because of this podcast uh, in the hopes that I would talk about this on this podcast, which I kind of sort of am today. Just letting you know. Um, and finally, uh, oh yeah, so there's a webinar with um, a friend of mine, Kirsten Davidson, who was formerly of Glassdoor and now is of Employera. We get to have a conversation later this week. You should turn in. I will put the ad- email address for the registration in the show notes, but... Uh, you can go to bit.ly slash employer brand webinar. That's employer brand webinar, all one word, all lowercase, and then I'll get you where you need to go. Okay, so um, telling you what you already know. Here's the trick. So one of the things that was interesting about Glassdoor, and for those of you who attended Glassdoor Recruit and thought you wouldn't be pitched on Glassdoor, you are incredibly naive. That's what it exists for, kids. <laughs> but in between the sales pitches, uh, there was some really good stuff. There really was. Uh, if You, you kind of had to pay attention to find it, but uh, it was there. One of the things that was most interesting to me, aside from the fact that it's very clear that um, most companies can be split into two groups at this point, the haves and the have-not, or at least the get-its or the doesn't-get-it, uh, the people who understand that you know, Glassdoor is about you know, um, you know, understanding your company, understanding the perception versus how do I control that process, or people who are still doing things the quote-unquote the same old way. There was literally a question in the audience that said, so wait, are you saying I can just ask my employees to review me? And the whole room kind of went, well, half the room went, yeah, and half the room went, oh, really? So clearly there's a divide, and I think that personally, I think that divide is getting wider and wider, and it's not a function of haves and have-nots. It's not a function of money versus not money. It's a function of do I understand that the role of recruiting and hiring is about creating connections showing people something that's interesting and useful and valuable and unique and establishing a dialogue between the recruiter and the candidate so they understand what they're getting into. We're not selling tacos or ice cream cones. We're not here to do mass marketing truly. We're here to create connections so that we can pick great talent and great talent can pick us. I feel like the second half of this conversation never seems to happen. Anyway, 
part of that is this concept that we have to go build an employer brand. We have to go invest in an employer brand. We have to go grow and model and establish our employer brand. And all those things, all those words, sound expensive, don't they? Don't they sound expensive? If I came to you and said, here's, you have a big problem. You need to establish, maintain, and grow your employer brand. That's coming with a massive invoice, right? <laughs> that is not a cheap thing to do, except that's not true. The trick about employer brand, and, and, and I think we've talked about this before, the employer brand is just a pattern. It's a pattern of perception. It's a pattern of how people perceive you in their minds that it's very individual. Um, we've talked about the concept of brand, and I've talked about it in other places, that you know, brand is what you think it is. Your feelings on Nike and Apple and Pepsi and Coke and Windows and, I don't know, Picket, Mercedes and Toyota um, are, are yours. Those, those are your opinions. That's your perception of the brand. And if you times that by 7 billion people, assuming you're that big, uh, that's 7 million different flavors of opinions, but that's their sense of the brand. And they're not wrong. They're not right. They're right. They're all 100% right individually, even though those perceptions of the brand are not the same. We can all have very different perceptions of very different things. They're all true. A brand isn't held in a third-party space. A brand is held in individuals' minds, right? My perception of uh, 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 jet blue, and I'm only looking because there's a plane flying out past my window. Uh, not right past my window. <laughs> I don't have a that high apartment, but it is very clear day out, so I can see a lot of stuff. Um, you know, my my opinion of jet blue or Southwest is mine, and it is true because it is mine, and you can't tell me I'm wrong because it's my perception, and the same is true for employer brand. How I would feel about the concept of working at a jet blue or a Southwest is mine, and it's true. And it's based on a lot of different things. It's based on my consumer interaction. It's based on what people have said about working there. It's based on the commercials I see. It's based on how the job descriptions are written. It's based on if I would engage with a recruiter, how did the recruiter or the hiring manager behave? It's based on all those things, right? That's how I create my brand perception. The trick is your employer brand doesn't need to be established or built. It already exists. Right? If it all, if it is something that is, exists in someone's head, it already happens. You don't have to suddenly make it appear in someone's head. It already happens. Especially if you're a bigger name brand with a lot of consumer interactions. If you're a, um, I don't know, you make steel, right? You make raw steel, and your your clients are usually companies that buy that uh, that sell their products to Toyota and 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 Ford, right? Um, you know, you're not a big name. You're not a company that I would know as a non-steel purchaser or manufacturer. You're not a consumer brand, right? But if you aren't, if you're a consumer brand, you get a lot of interactions. People know who you are. People know who Southwest is. People know who JetBlue is. I don't know why I'm going back to planes, but there you are. Um, and that means that that employer brand perception is already there. Now, it doesn't have to be strong, right? So, for example, let's take United, my favorite uh, uh, punching bag, uh, this year anyway. Um, you know, all the money they spent on trying to tell you how much they care about their customers and they do one or two bonehead things and suddenly all that stuff flies out the window. And to see the CEO of United at Glassdoor Recruits was kind of, well, when did they sign that contract? About a week before the news cracked? Because um, I don't think that that had positive impact on their employer brand. I, I, I don't have access to their Glassdoor numbers historically or longitudinally, but I can't imagine seeing that made anybody feel good about being a, uni a United uh, employee, right? Uh, I imagine there's a lot of hiding one's head for a while waiting for the news to blow over. 
So the employer brand exists because I saw the news and I saw that and I've flown United Airlines and I have feelings, positive and negative, about that brand. And it does transfer over to some degree into the employer brand. Now the trick is, all those interactions I have as a consumer, watching the news, seeing the news, seeing the video on Facebook, seeing all that stuff, created a generally negative association of that employer brand. It exists. It happens in my head. Why? Because it's a brand I'm aware of and I'm reading about. Now, if it's a completely unknown brand, if it's that steel foundry I've never heard of, I have very, 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 very little sense of the brand. But if I quickly learn that they're a steel mill, I'm going to immediately create some connotations or some feelings about it. Or if I learn that they're owned by the NRA or PETA, I'm just picking two completely out, you know, left and right, the most left and right uh, organizations I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and if I, they're owned by one or the other, that will alter my perception. The trick is, and the th truth is about an employer brand, the fact that I'm receiving all these impressions on a consumer level or on a non-job seeking level, that means while yes, the employer brand exists in my head, it might not be very strong. For example, that steel mill. To be fair, I have almost no information about what a steel mill is like that doesn't come out of a Flashdance movie, right? I don't have any sense of it. I have, uh, you know, <laughs> everything I know about steel mills is probably formed by between the movie Flashdance and the little interstitial videos they made on Sesame Street about how steel gets made, right? Anybody remember that? Anybody old like me when they used to do talk about what places were like? It, it, very, you know, it, it's, it's sparks and it's dirty and people in very thick jumpsuits and gloves and hazmat suit kind of things and Maybe it's a very modern place and I don't know about it, right? Maybe it's, it's like a, it's a lot closer to a silicone chip manufacturing clean room than it is um, a dirty, dusty, spark-ridden room, right? I don't know. I don't know. My brand perception of that space is based on very, very, very thin connections to that brand, tenuous connections, and thus they can be influenced very easily. If you are looking to hire me, Steel Mill, I don't know why you would, but let's pretend, if you sent me a 30-second video that said, that presumed you knew that I knew very little about your company because you weren't a consumer brand and you weren't widely known and you weren't in an industry that was well-known, and you sent me that 30-second video that showed me what it's really like to work in a steel mill and how incredibly modern and clean and, and bright it is, maybe it is, let's presume, you have completely broken my perception of what your brand is. And you've given me something that I can latch on to. You've given me a brand new pattern to establish. And now I can go look for more information about your company, the steel industry, to reestablish or in invalidate that new pa pattern. It was very easy to do. It was a 30-second video. You could probably, if, if you really do have like silicone chip clean rooms, all you have to do is whip out your phone, take a 30-second video, maybe take five minutes of B-roll, chop it together with a little voiceover that talks about, look, everybody thinks that the steel mill is this, 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 and this. It's not. Look at where we live. Look at how we work. It's a very different thing. I think you should consider looking and breaking the rules and then maybe throw a little tagline on it. That's all you got to do. That's something you could do on your, on your Mac in about two hours, right? Maybe three, right? <laughs> it's a very simple video to make. And you will have completely radically shifted my sense of your employer brand, which is everything you want. Now, when I see your logo pop up on Indeed and Glassdoor and, and, and LinkedIn and wherever you're you know, pushing your jobs, I will think, wow, that's a place that has, some, that has something going on. It's not what I thought it was. I will consider that. And you have done your job. You have done your job spectacularly. Now, 
if you are not a steel mill, if you are in fact a very, 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 very well-known consumer brand with which I have had many, 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 many negative interactions with, my sense of your employer brand is much more strongly held, right? If you are, I'm not going to name any names. I know you want me to. I'm not going to. But if you are an airline or a cable company, and let's be fair, no one really loves their airline or cable company. We just have to learn to live with them. Um, much like your ATS, no one loves their ATS. They've learned to live with them. Um, if you have a very deeply held negative, strong negative perception of the consumer, that leads to a fairly strong sense of an employer brand. If you have a friend who worked there and got screwed over by that company, you have a very strongly held negative perception of that employer brand. It's going to take a lot of work to get me past that, assuming I can get past it at all, right? There are some people for whom you are trying to attract who will never, ever, ever work for you right? The NRA versus PETA conversation. I will never work for both either of them. I think they're way too extreme, both of them. But I'd rather work for PETA over NRA because I'm more liberal than uh, conservative, right? That's me. You're not going to, no amount of money is going to make me go, yeah, okay, I'll take that NRA job. I, no amount of money. You can go six figures. Go seven figures. I don't care. No, 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 no. No, 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 no amount of money will make me feel good about that. No money, amount of money will make me feel like that's a good choice for me and my family. Can't be done. Now, is the NRA crying about that? Probably not. <laughs> they know they have plenty of people for whom the NRA is a perfectly wonderful job or maybe even just a completely acceptable one. People who aren't nearly as liberal as I am, right? People for whom they're much more centrist or much more conservative. There's a 7 billion people in the world. They don't need me. I'm not so special and amazing that you have to have the James Ellis magic on anything. There are plenty of good people who do what I do. Plenty. Not too many. Please hire me one day, right? <laughs> But there are still plenty of people. And the NRA knows that. If they need someone to help them with their employer brand, they're going to look at me and go, well, he's not going to fit. But they're going to find someone who does fit. And that's who they're going to hire. So rather than trying to break down a strong, negatively held perception, you can choose to kind of walk away. You can choose to say, I'm going to go over here. But that's the trick. I think people just assume because they haven't done any quote-unquote employer brand work meaning they haven't made the videos and they haven't made a page on, you know, the Muse or Glassdoor. Or they're not checking the reviews or, you know, they're not building a lot of good content about that isn't specific job related, right? That's the thing. Everybody thinks employer brand is not specific. They think it's very vague and fluffy bunny. It's a video about how wonderful we are and how cool we are. Um, Audra Knight sent me a great video from Beta Brand about um, – their culture is, is, is based on this concept that there is no dress code, and they had four or five people who work there wearing the most god-awful outfits. The CEO himself had a shirt where he literally cut the front nipple, nippular area out and then put pasties on, and he's a dude. And I mean, there's so many levels of just, good God, really? Wah. It was hard to watch. It was very hard to watch. It's a great video, though, because it cuts to the chase of, um, look, we're not here for everybody. No, but no company is here for everybody. Even Google says we're not, not everybody's for us. Google and Amazon, who are on a quest, it seems to hire everybody, know that that's not true. They cannot hire all 7 billion people in this world, nor should they want to. There's plenty of people who won't fit. But anyway, going back, some people think that employer brand is just this weird fuzzy bunny content, right? That it's, hey, we did something nice. Hey, we were at a char charity event. Or hey, we uh, gave money to or we volunteered a thing. Or look at us. We have great coffee. Or, right, you know, that's when you think of employer brand content. That's the stuff you think of it. And that's, I mean, that's, it is true, but that's not 
all of it. Having well-written job descriptions that mean something and say something and then align to your brand are also employer brand content. If your employer brand is all about fun and your job descriptions suck, guess what you just did? You broke the employer brand pattern, you dolt. Don't do that. Your employer brand people have to be involved at every touch point. Remember, an employer brand is a pattern, and if you think of a, a pattern in the same way that I think of like a tile floor in a massive room, if you have one bad tile, you can see it from across the room. I'm pretty sure I've said this on this podcast before, but it breaks the whole pattern. It breaks the whole effect. If your whole brand is about fun and engaging and lighthearted and you have 4,000 videos to that effect where people are doing, uh, I don't know, mannequin uh, the mannequin uh, challenge thing or they make lip sync videos to Kesha songs or I don't know, whatever. What, you're, you're doing goofy fun stuff and showing how everybody's goofy and fun and then somebody goes, man, this is a goofy fun place to work. I'm goofy and fun. I want to work here and they get to your job descriptions and it's all like a job description which sounds like a lawyer translated into the Icelandic, translated in Japanese, translated back into whatever language you were lang speaking and then was written, rewritten by a robot and then spat out because it's been chopped and pasting, cut and paste with seven other thousand other job descriptions which may or may not be applicable and maybe no someone actually read the darn thing before it went out the door and chances are it wasn't well, you just broke the band brand pattern. Do I think you're fun? No. What I think you are is someone who wants to be thought of as fun. Not is fun, thinks they're fun. And there's nothing worse than somebody who thinks they're funny when they're not. Nothing worse. That's not true. There are plenty of things worse. But still. Right? That's when your marketing team says, we're... We're a wonderful bunch. And then behind the lawyers, they say, we're not actually a wonderful bunch, and this doesn't mean anything, and frankly, we're not obliged to actually be wonderful at any point in time. That's, that, that's, that's when you go, that's marketing bullshit, right? That's marketing speak. That's crap. That's the problem with employer brand content. It's not just the stuff at the surface. It's the stuff that goes all the way down. Because if your employer brand exists, and I think I've established that it does, you need to re you don't have to think about how do I instill it halfway down the funnel. You have to think about how do I manage it? How do I reinforce it? It exists. It's not something I have to build. It's something I have to build out or build up. So if you're all about fun and you think you're all about fun and you think everybody thinks that you're all about fun, you got to walk up and down that funnel, look at all the different touch points and say, where are we not actually fun? Oh, by the way, we should also define what fun is. And I think I did that in a previous podcast. Um, is, is, when you say fun, do you mean pies in the face and, and every Thursday you go out to uh, open mic night? Or do you mean, look, we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's a fairly casual atmosphere. The coffee's really good. Every once in a while we do something goofy, but it's not how we live. We like to have fun, but mostly our sense of fun is doing good work, right? Here's And, and, and to, to tack on a little codicil to my, that podcast about defining fun, my feeling on fun is I can't have, quote-unquote, fun until I feel like I'm doing good work, until I feel like I'm making an impact. Now, maybe that's just me, but I think the people who just like to have fun first, I don't get that. And if you're a business and you think you're about to have fun, and I am using a very sarcastic tone when I use the word fun, I hope you're getting that. I hope this mic catches all that stuff. I hope your headphones are you know high quality that you can catch that subtle uh, tone shift. Um, I think fun is great, but fun happens after you get your work done. And I feel really good about myself when I've done really, really good work, and I've seen that work make a difference in somebody's life or some company's you know, bottom line. Then I feel like I'm having fun, like real fun, right? Work is work. Work is going to be hard. Work is always going to be hard. If it wasn't hard, a robot or, some, or someone would, else would do it for cheap. The work is always going to be the work. The fun part is having it matter. 
not that I got to ha- go to Chuckle Hut after work and, 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 and hang out with everybody. It's not that I'm getting drunk at work every week. It's not about um, gr- team vacations. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. Fun is about what fun means to me, and I think fun is a function of doing good work. But I don't know. That, that might just be me. That's an edit- Literally, I just had a minor editorial in my own podcast. What is wrong with me? Anyway. You have to go. And if you say your employer brand is fun, you have to make sure at every single touch point in the funnel, everything reflects that because anything that jars and moves away from that and is not aligned to that concept of whatever how you're calling fun breaks the pattern. And the phrase breaks the pattern should be a huge red flag to you. If you're an employer brand, you care about your employer brand, the red flag is problematic. Let's go back to that initial conceit that employer brand exists. It does, but it's messy. It's filled with lots of stuff. So for example, I hate my cable company because I've always hated my cable companies. No matter where I've lived, no matter who my cable company is, I don't believe that a cable company can be good. I simply do not believe that structurally they can offer quality service at a, at, a, at, a, at a reasonable rate and have customer service that seems to ever care about any of your problems. You know what? I want a, I want a cable company who when my cable goes down for a day, they automatically credit me for the day and don't wait for me to demand my money, which means don't wait for me to sit on the phone for half an hour on hold waiting for someone to pick up the phone so I can demand my money because I did not get the service I was promised. The cable company knows I don't have cable. The cable company knows when service is down. They should be crediting my bills. Anyway, that's me. So I hate my cable company. However, they provide my internet. And I love the internet. Oh, I love the internet. I love the internet so much. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, If it wasn't for the internet, couldn't do my job. Couldn't do the podcast. Couldn't watch the TV I want to watch. Couldn't listen to the music I want to watch. My whole life is on the internet. Much like yours, I'm guessing. If not all, then probably a good deal. Enough. Enough that if the internet went down for a week, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself either. And I don't mean like just, you know, uh, your home internet is a little wonky. I mean the internet as a concept went down for a week. Yeah, chaos. It would just be absolute anarchy. Anywho, how can this company I hate provide this service I love? How, How does that sense that they bring me HBO and they bring me internet and they bring me Netflix and they bring me Spotify and they keep my Sonos going and... Uh, they let this podcast work and I get to, you know, Google lets me get to Google Docs and Gmail and all that good stuff. I get to communicate with people via Slack and HipChat and, and, and iMessage and whatever. How could it be possible that I have both a negative and positive brand perception? Here's the trick. The brand exists already. It's just messy because much like my cable, my feelings about my cable company, my perception of your particular brand is filled with positives and negatives. It already happens. I've already had two great customer experiences and one negative customer experience. I've already worked with your product and had a great time with it, but had a horrible time trying to buy a second one. Right? I've had pros and cons. Because I'm a human and you're a human and companies are imperfect. Right? Google, whom I love, for whom I have all my email. They know everything about me. There's plenty of times I've been like, Google, why the hell are you messing with me? Why are you being a jerk? Why are you doing this to me? Amazon, they have half my money. They and tar- like I said, have a kid. Between them and Target, they got all my cash, right? They got all my cash. Sometimes they're just a pain in the butt. That's just life, right? They're a massive company. They don't do everything perfect. They do a lot of things great. 
but they do some things imperfect. That flavors my you know. So that what happens is when I get lots of different inputs, both pro and con, aligned with a brand, I can sense in those that break the pattern. I have to interpret all that stuff. I have to put it together. I have to kind of spin the wheel and decide how that makes me feel. So that when I've had interactions with my cable company, whom I loathe, but they give me the internet, which I adore, if I had to consider working for that internet company, how would I go? That's a complicated question. Now, because I don't have a sense, a true core sense of their employer brand by which I evaluate the pros and cons, I have to make it up on my own. I have to decide that this cable company is all about the dollar, that in their employer brand is all about, and I'm making this up because I don't really know, it's all about um, high growth, right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. We just want to grow. We want to become the best cable company. We want to be involved in every aspect of our customers' lives, and we need your, we need your help to making that happen. That's a fairly you know, thin employer brand, but I'm making it up, so what the hell. How do I feel about that? And when I hear that employer brand or I see that employer brand, I have to evaluate it based on what I already know. So as an employer brand recruitment marketing professional, in the case where an employer brand has not been very well established, though it does exist, your job is also to help clear out the negatives or create a frame around which the negatives make sense. So for example, if I think Goldman Sachs, I love, to, I love to beat up Goldman Sachs because I love them and hate them all at once, um, but they're a great, super clear, crystal clear employer brand. They're all about make your money. Get in, get out. Cash it out, right? That's what they're all about. No one there expects to grow old at Goldman Sachs per se. They expect to make a lot of money. No one there expects to save the world at Goldman Sachs. They expect to make a lot of money, and good for them. Good for that company. That employer brand is crystal, crystal clear. So, hold on, I had somewhere I was going. I completely lost my train of thought. Let me get coffee and I'll find it. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. So, I hear the people at Goldman Sachs are worked to death. Sounds horrible. But in the, in the concept of an employer brand that we're here to make the money, we're not here to work on work-life balance. We're not here to save the world. We're not here to support each other and give each other hugs at the end of the day. We're not here to sing together in harmony. We're here to make the money. It makes sense. I'm allowed to disregard or put a frame around those negatives. Of course they work hard long hours. That's how you make the money. No one makes a you know, metric ton of cash by doing, doing the easy stuff. Again, if that were true, we'd all be millionaires. I presume that you have to work long hours. And I presume the people who complain about the long hours are people who didn't quite get the employer brand. They didn't quite realize that making a lot of money required a lot of work. 
It required a lot of late nights. It required a lot of long days, right? I'm able to take the negatives of uh, the perceptions I have of that employer brand and put them in a new frame. Oh yeah, of course that's true because blank. Of course Goldman Sachs has poor work-life balance because they're there to make the money. Makes perfect sense. The next question then becomes, am I here just to make the money? And that kind of ties up the employer brand. Should I be the person who applies for this job? And it's not going to be, well, you know, do I love the work-life balance? It's going to be, do I love the money more than the work-life balance? Are the pros, you know, do they overcome the cons? Is the juice worth the squeeze? That's what an employer brand is. It's helping you tell that story. It's helping you define that idea. It's helping you get crystal clarity because the employer brand already exists. It's just existing in a mess of pros and cons, of positives and negatives. Consumer interaction, the news, your recruiter had a bad day that day when they reached out. They sent the same boring email. It looked a little spammy. When you responded, they weren't responded fast enough. They didn't send you good stuff. The job descriptions are poorly written. All those things, positives and negatives. They impact us. And we are forced as candidates to interpret that information and make our own choice. That is a poorly structured, poorly managed, poorly held employer brand. That is a huge opportunity, ripe opportunity for you to come in and say, okay, there's a lot of stuff out there already. We have to shape it. We have to create a frame by which the negatives make sense, but the positives are crystal clear. That's what an employer brand really is, right? We, if we go back to consumer branding, a branding is, a, is just kind of a, a sense, a feeling of how we feel about that company, right? It doesn't have to be backed in data. And because our senses, our, our, our opinions are usually emotion-based first, and there's plenty of data that supports this idea that we make decisions based on emotion first, and then we use data and logic to justify that emotional choice, right? Our sense of an employer brand is the same way. We had an emotional connection to it, and then we started to seek out positive reinforcements of that. If I fell in love with Nike because of Michael Jordan, because I'm old, uh, I go looking for ways in which Nike is super cool, how they love to uh, support women athletes, and they're all about personal growth, uh, you know, pushing oneself, and all the wonderful things Nike's all about. Can I name plenty of negatives about Nike? Sure, but I've decided to kind of push them out because I've decided my, emotionally I have a positive feeling about that brand. None of this is true, by the way. I don't really have much of a care about Nike. But you get it, right? You have an emotional call, and thus, because you have an emotional connection to that brand, you look for positives, and you kind of defect, or not defect, you uh, deflect the negative ones, right? And you reuse those positives to reinforce your brand. But that's based on a very powerful emotional sense of the brand. Going back to employer brand, when was the last time you had a powerful emotional sense of an employer brand? That's like a once in a blue moon kind of thing, right? Right? 18, 20 million companies in North America alone, how many of them do have real, true, emotional connections to the employer brand, right? It's just a lot of noise, and you're, and you're asking candidates to kind of filter through and make a decision on that. Wrong. Your job is to make that emotional connection clear so that they can go looking for their own positive feelings about the brand, so they can self-select and cherry-pick positive reasons to validate and reinforce that emotional sense of the brand. All right, well, I've gone a half an hour. Uh, that was some stuff. I didn't think I would land here. I love when this happens. I, <laughs> um, just so you know, I'm, th for whatever reason, I got two blogs coming out this week, so um, keep an eye on my Twitter account or just, you know, don't. I don't care. Um, do it, just 
been super crazy busy this month. Next two, three months are going to be crazy busy. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks for the three people who reviewed me this week. That's been fantastic. The new iTunes, the new um, iOS interface makes it unbelievably easy, so I would really appreciate it if you would review me. I do like that sort of thing. Otherwise, uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent, or you can find the website, thetalentcast.com, or you can just, you know, track me down on LinkedIn and places and just kind of poke at me. You know, stuff. You know, you know web stuff. Otherwise, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.